You're listening to a chapel message from Trinity Christian College, recorded live at the Ozinga Chapel Auditorium in Palos Heights, Illinois. Good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you this morning in this space. It's just such an honor and a privilege. Um, This morning, we have this incredible passage that is part of this series that we're doing at the table, and it is pretty awesome. Pastor Ben has put the series together after conversations that unfolded over the summer here at Trinity about what it means to be a community, and I am actually super excited. I didn't realize how many times Jesus is sitting at a table, and so we're going to get to talk about all of those times throughout the fall, so I encourage you to keep coming back for more opportunities to hear about Jesus at the table. In this particular scene in Luke 7, Jesus is sitting at a table that he was invited to by a Pharisee, Simon. Simon is a Pharisee, and as a Pharisee, he's someone, maybe you know what a Pharisee is, maybe you don't, but a Pharisee is someone who is really into the law, really into talking about the law. And so presumably, Jesus is invited to a dinner party where they're going to discuss the law. They're going to have conversations probably not unlike a college classroom in some ways. There's going to be great debate having, maybe it's a little like Rutman's classroom where there are great debates, philosophy being discussed around a table. The difference is the tables back then were a lot different than the tables we sit around today. Back then, some of you know this, they were kind of laying down, eating, uh, reclining. The tables were really low to the ground. And so Picture Jesus laying down at a low table with a bunch of guys, presumably it's probably all men, um, talking about the law. It's a pretty normal dinner party. It's probably something that Jesus uh, felt very comfortable in, giving his background and giving, given what he knows. And then out of nowhere, this is when it gets really weird. A woman comes in who lived a sinful life And she comes into the space. She goes toward Jesus with an alabaster jar of perfume. And she starts washing his feet. She starts to cry over his feet. She washes his feet with her hair. For all of us, if we were to walk in on a scene like this, I think most of us would say, this is super awkward, right? We would all say, what in the world is going on? And even in this time, it's possible that this was also a really awkward moment. What in the world is happening? A woman who lived a sinful life, we don't know what her sin was. Maybe it was sexual sin. Some people speculate that she could have been a prostitute. She was a known sinner in her community. In our day, my mind goes to how do we categorize people in our world as known sinners, right? All of us kind of have a category for that in our heads. But she's a known sinner. She goes straight to Jesus. And when she does this, the Pharisee Simon, and I'll maybe ask Rayanne to put this part up on the screen if she can find it. The Pharisee Simon, he says to himself, so it's right before this slide, the one before it. He says to himself, so I never noticed this before. I read this passage for this particular time, uh, talking about this. I've read this before, but maybe you didn't notice this before either. I'm guessing Simon is kind of talking in his own head, right? He's, He's saying to himself, it's internal dialogue. So no one else hears what Simon says. 
He says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. That is literally like the most judgy thing (laughs) that he can do in this moment. He is judging her. He's judging Jesus. He is doing that thing I think that all of us sometimes do when we see something happen that we think is super weird or super awkward, we judge it. We go straight to the judgment. Jesus, being Jesus, just looks at Simon gently and says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. It's unknown at this point whether Jesus has kind of heard what went on in Simon's head or whether he's just kind of proceeding with the conversation. But he clearly knows what's up. He knows the heart of the woman and he knows the heart of Simon. And this is what he does. He tells a story, which is something Jesus seems to do quite a bit, right? He tells a story and he talks about two people who have a debt. One has a really big debt and one has a smaller debt, right? If you think about it in terms of your own debt, how many of us in this room have debt? How many of us have student loans that we are living with? Um, How many of us can imagine Like what happened at Morehouse a couple years ago, someone standing up and saying, your debt is forgiven. You don't have to pay that student loan back. I know, don't we wish that were the truth, that I was telling that truth. Um, But that we could experience that kind of forgiveness of our debt. And so Jesus says, well, which one of these people will love that lender more? Will it be the one who got the 50 forgiven or the one who was forgiven the 500? And Simon's response is kind of like, well, (laughs) I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven, sort of like, sure, Jesus, that's kind of obvious. Again, Simon is still stuck in this space of judgment. Although he's starting to move and Jesus takes that movement and he says back, Simon, you've judged correctly. This time, your judgment is moving toward the way of the cross. But then things get even weirder, and Jesus looks straight at the woman, who is presumably still washing his feet, still crying, still breaking this alabaster jar that's probably worth the equivalent of a year of Trinity's tuition onto this Jesus' feet, the Lord, and he looks toward her and he talks to Simon. Okay, so this is kind of, we know these moments like in our life where somebody's kind of not looking at you, but they are definitely talking to you. Um, Jesus looks toward the woman and he talks to Simon and he says, do you see her? Do you see what is happening here? Do you see that I came to your house, Simon, and you didn't give me water for my feet, but this woman, she has wet my feet with her tears. You didn't give me a kiss as I came in. A kiss would have been a common greeting um, back then. But this woman, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, you didn't put oil on my head. Maybe that was not the expectation to anoint me with oil, but this woman, she has poured perfume all over my feet, an expensive, extravagant expression of love. And then he says, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. 
I think when I read this, sometimes I'm thinking, maybe this is the achiever in me. She did all of these things, so she got forgiven. And that is exactly not what is being talked about here. Jesus says, she's already forgiven. She's already forgiven. As we've sung this morning, if you listen to what we sang together, we are free. We are forgiven. And it is in that forgiveness and that freedom that we live the life of love that this woman is showing us how to live. And Jesus is affirming. So Jesus turns to her and says, again, just to make sure she knows, if there's any doubt in her mind, he says, your sins are forgiven. The other guests kind of look around and wonder what's going on. And Jesus says, your faith has saved you. You can be, go in peace. You can live in peace. Trinity community, I want to ask, what are we to learn from this story? What are we to learn from this story as a community of faith at the beginning of the year? Um, as I've been thinking about us as a community, I'm recognizing that we are now in week three, and the honeymoon and the sparkle dust of how everyone was at the very beginning is definitely beginning to wear off. Um, the overwhelm is starting to settle in, right? The, the stuff that we thought, oh man, this is gonna be great, and we are now faced with a mountain of work, we're faced with relationships that we have to figure out how to navigate, and the reality is coming together after 18 months of whatever just happened, it's awkward. It's super awkward, and we're trying to figure out how to be together in community. And so I take from this story, um, this beautiful vision of the gospel, a couple of things that I want to share with you as we wrap up. Number one, this woman who went toward Jesus, she took a big risk. She took a big risk. Walking into that room where that conversation was taking place, where presumably everyone around the table knew exactly what they were talking about, that's a big risk to walk into a space like that and move straight toward Jesus. I wonder what it would look like for us this year, for you this year, to take a risk, to walk toward Jesus in a scary space. What is that going to look like for you? I think the other thing she demonstrates to us is that she moves toward Jesus with vulnerability. She's crying. It's presumed that this is an intellectual space, maybe an academic space, and she herself is laying out her heart in the midst of this space for the sake of Jesus. And so I wonder, Trinity community, what would it look like for us to be vulnerable together with one another? And the last thing I see in her um, that Jesus has affirmed is her incredible joy. We talk a little bit here and there at Trinity about discovering the joy of your vocation, and sometimes that word joy sort of feel like kind of frosting on top. And I think in this passage, we see that joy is not just kind of trite happiness. It's actually really deep sense of risk and vulnerability. And in the communion with Christ around the table, we experience incredible joy. I wonder what it would look like this year in our year together as a Trinity community if we are to face this awkward, overwhelming year with joy. So Trinity, as we listen to Jesus's life at the table this semester, 
as we see what he is doing at the table, and it is astounding what Jesus does at the table, as we all know about the table that is the communion table. It is astounding to, to be witness to Jesus's life. I pray, Lord, that we may be a community that risks ourselves to move toward Jesus, a community that is a forgiven people, that we know our forgiveness, that we dare vulnerability, and a freed people that lives with joy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts Thank you for listening to Trinity Christian College's Chapel Podcast. To learn more about campus ministries at Trinity, visit trnty.edu slash chapel.